Hello and welcome to Good Robot Andy's Season 10, Episode 11. <laughs> season 10, Episode 11. My name is Andy Balam and this is... Andy Cockerell. Andy Cockerell. Andy was miming uh, that he couldn't escape from a box or... I was voguing. Oh, uh, Andy was voguing Remember to try voguing? and make me laugh, which didn't work. From the I 90s, laugh. I think. It was Madonna's video. Yeah, but then, uh, but then when I started speaking, it was like the, <laughs> the Vogue box like exploded... <laughs> I was then I was the irritating person who's in a glass, uh, an imaginary glass box. Yeah, and that made me laugh. Well, yes. I, I mean, that's the only time you'll ever laugh at someone doing that. So yeah, because it's not funny. No, but I can, I don't laugh at anything. So I don't guarantee that at all. I'll probably okay. laugh at it again. So the bar is low. Yeah. For let's, laughing at things, let's move it lower. <laughs> let's move it lower. Yes. Why not? More spinal tap spinal tap impersonations to come. Okay, so this evening I guess we're probably supposed to talk about a thing. Yes, uh, we're talking about a movie. So I'm not going to um, get you to do a, a lightning talk on some tech tonight. Although right. we did talk about doing yeah, that doing at like some a surprise point. tech episode. But I've bottled out on that, so <laughs> <laughs> you, you've escaped. Oh. Um, What's the tonight thing? we're talking about a movie mm-hmm. called Knock at the Cabin. The cabin only knocks twice. Maybe it does. Yeah. Knock Maybe at the does. cabin. And this is a um, a title I don't think I've ever heard before, apart from five okay. months ago when you told me. And uh, I can I can tell you just from the title itself that it is a horror film. It's an indie horror film based in uh, small town America, obviously in the woods in small town America. And it stars Angelina Jolie. She's big on indie horror films. She uh, is. And it, uh, you know, it prominently features an axe. Interesting. And it's quite good. That's quite close, actually. <laughs> so it is a horror movie, uh-huh, uh-huh. although it's one that I think is more mainstream than okay. most stuff that we although we have we have talked about a couple of mainstream we've gone we've gone incredibly mainstream yeah we have we talked about m3 gun which is like a very watered down oh no actually no it's some of it's quite fruity and also um that insane film malignant which was yeah. <laughs> which was definitely mainstream speaking of m3 gun i think just from yes. your description i might I might have been okay with it, not not that interested, but I no, saw without any sound. I just saw like a shot of what Megan looks like, and I just thought, yeah, this is this is a film for me, and I'm definitely yeah, intending to watch it's it. It's so much fun, it really is. Cool, cool, it really cool. is so much fun. Anyway, knock at the cabin. It is the latest uh, film by M Night Shyamalan. Oh right, we're still we're still paying attention to M Night Shyamalan. Well, we've talked about him on this pod at least twice. I know, I and I feel yeah. like like he's such a huge wasted potential. I don't. Well, I don't think so. I think that his. I'm going to do a a sine wave now. His output has definitely been up and down okay. over the years. Uh, there's two of his films I haven't even seen. Uh, they are The Happening. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. Mark, Mark and Mark Wahlberg, and Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I also haven't seen. 
Did he make that? I know. I no, I haven't seen um, Lady in the Water either because it got so viscerally panned by critics that I <laughs> just could not. Panned. Viscerally panned. Yeah, <laughs> basically they tore it to shreds. <laughs> um, which was odd because it was his response to being viscerally panned by critics. Right. And they just said, yeah, we see what you're doing and we still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So th- this is a an apocalyptic psychological horror film. Okay. Brand new, 2023. Wow. He wrote the screenplay from an, from an initial draft by Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. And it's based on the 2018 novel The Cabin at the End of the World, which I think is a really good title. Okay, but he changed uh, it. I think it's a better title than Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. What is that? It's, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think Cabin at the End of the World is a great title. There's probably already a film called The Cab- Cabin at the End of the World. Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, the film stars uh, Dave Bautista. Oh. I know. I know. And he's really good in this as well. Uh, Jonathan, <coughs> Jonathan Groff. Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amukabird, Kirsten Q, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Grint. Who I feel was, like there's um, a few names there that I ought to recognise, but I don't really. I can't really place. So Jonathan Groff is. What's he most? Oh, you know, he played Smith in um, the Matrix Resurrections. If that's what it was called. Is that what it's oh, called? The new. Oh, so he was the, the new, new Matrix. Agent Matrix Smith. Four. Yeah, I barely yeah. remember anything about that film, but I do he remember that Agent Smith, Smith was remar- unremarkable in the extreme. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He, he was very unremarkable in that. Very vanilla, actually. Yeah. Compared to Hugo Weaving's performance. Yeah, it was just... There's not barely anything to remember about that film. Um, what, what else has he been in? He was King George III in the original Broadway version of Hamilton. Okay. That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Which is a musical. <laughs> I've heard. Um, I've heard it's wonderful and amazing. It is good. Yeah. It is good. Um, what else? He's been he's been in both of the Frozen movies doing voice acting. Oh, I've seen one of the Frozen movies. I thought it was pretty good. So he plays the guy who, the guy with the reindeer, Kristoff. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I like oh, the Frozen movies. He's like a is he like a like the woodsman? Yes, that's it. He's like a woodsman, yeah. Okay. But, but a nice guy. Right, yeah, like yeah. They're always guy. good guys, aren't they? Um, so here's him. Obviously, Dave Bautista. Rupert Grint from the Harry Potter films and other things what, since what, then. Who is he in Harry Potter? Who is he? He's the ginger one. What? What's... Oh, um, Ron. Ron, okay. Ron Weasley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. quite hard not to just see Ron. I guess he's probably grown up a bit. He's grown up. He, I mean, he still looks like Rupert Grint. Right. It doesn't really look that much different. So, in the film, a family vacationing at a remote cabin is suddenly held hostage by four strangers who ask something unimaginable. Um, is it unspeakable so, as well? No, they do speak it. Okay. <laughs> they do speak it. So, D- Dave Bautista is nominally their leader. So, he's nominally the leader of the four people who okay. arrive at the okay. cabin. Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge are uh, parents of this little girl. It's going to be spoilers, by the way, listener. Oh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. 
Um, so they are two dads of this little girl. They're a couple, and they've got mm-hmm. this little girl is their daughter. Um, they're in the cabin in the woods at the in end the of the world. At the end of the yeah. world. The and cabin only little girl, there's a little bit of character work at the beginning. They arrive at the cabin. Um, there's some plot MacGuffin stuff <laughs> because they leave, they leave a gun in the car. They're like, one of them says, I do not want that gun in the house. The other one says, well, I'll leave it in the car then. That's a plot point. Um, well, the parents leave it in the car? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The little girl's mooching around outside and is approached by Dave Bautista's character. Now, mm-hmm. Dave Bautista's quite a big guy. Actually, no, he's, he's a huge guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I was a young girl, I'd be terrified and run straight home. Mm-hmm. But of course she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She converses with him. And he's asking her about... You well, know, he's, your... he's a big guy, but he's, he's quite friendly as well. He is very friendly, yeah. He's chatty and friendly. And he's asking her questions about, you know, where's your mum and dad and all this kind of thing. All the things that would set alarm bells ringing. If mm-hmm. you have been tr- if you've been schooled in Stranger Danger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you would be now running for home. Um, she does make it home. There is then a knock at the cabin. Oh, a knock at the cabin? A knock at the cabin. Okay. Um, then three other people appear, all carrying makeshift weapons... They don't have, seem to have any guns. They've just got, like, axes with barbed wire on. And right, yeah. That, that kind That's of thing. That's much scarier than a gun. Yeah, I mean, it's not pleasant. Yeah. It's not pleasant. Um, the visitors break into the cabin. Eric, played by Jonathan Groff, sustains a concussion when he's trying to fight them. Um, and then Leonard, who's played by Dave Bautista, they... Then deliver the message, and that message is that the four of them have foreseen an impending apocalypse, in which uh, Leonard claims that oceans will rise, a pandemic will spread, the sky will fall, and darkness will envelop the earth. Oh wow! Are they the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Well, maybe they are. Yeah, and the only way to prevent this is for the family to sacrifice one of their own. Okay, this is real life. Old Testament stuff, basically. <laughs> As they say in um, Ghostbusters, it's real Old Testament type stuff. <laughs> As Bill Murray says in that film, dogs and cats living together, total chaos. <laughs> um, so the only M. Night Schmilin would would do this. Like, it's yeah, it's a high, high concept. Yeah. High concept. It asks you to suspend a great deal of disbelief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what happens is that they, uh, the two dads refuse point blank to, to do what, they're, what is being asked of them. Two dads? Yeah. There's Jonathan Groff is a dad and the other dad is played by... Oh, so there are two kids as well, are there? No, no, there's one kid. One kid and it, they're... So, yeah, they're, they're both a couple. Her, her dad. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, they 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 flat out refuse to do this, mm-hmm. and then uh, Rupert Grint says, "Well, in that case, we're going to have to proceed with the judging of humanity." Okay. So the others cover his head, and then they 
before they cover his head, he says, part of humanity has been judged. And then they kill him. The, the three other intruders kill Rupert Grint's character in okay. front of them. Okay. And they then put the TV on and they see this mega tsunami engulfing, um, I think, uh, I'm not really sure, like part of the west coast of America or something like that. Right. So this, this is all huge, happening. It's all happening. Well, it appears to be happening. We're not sure. I think as you would if you weren't, if you were in a situation like this, you try to rationalize it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the dad who isn't con concussed just says, look, that footage is quite old. It's coincidence. It's not mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. None of this is happening. Mm -hmm. These people are crazy. Mm -hmm. They've broken into our house. They've told us this stuff. They're, they're, they're high on something. Mm -hmm. This is not happening. Mm -hmm. We're going to get out of here somehow. And what, what M. Night Shyamalan tends to do is sets up a situation that seems really ambiguous like that and then later on just spoil it and say, yep, it was supernatural. <laughs> is that what he's doing here? Shall I wait and see? Shall, shall I carry on? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so there's a lot of toing and froing. And then the dad who's got the concussion appears to see something. Hang on, who got killed? No, isn't... Oh, Rupert Grint's been killed. Who's that? He's one of the intruders. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but, but the dad who's been concussed, mm -hmm. he thinks that he sees something. Okay, okay. Like a kind of spirit coming down or, you know, something mm -hmm. strange. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What we're not sure of as viewers, is he actually seeing this or yeah. is, it, is it because he got a concussion? Yeah. He's convinced that he has seen it mm -hmm. and that strange supernatural things are actually happening. Right. So then there's more toing and froing and uh, one of the other, let's say, the apocalyptic people mm -hmm. says... One of us has to die now. Mm -hmm. So they, before they die, they say some of humanity has been judged in the same way mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. kill them. And then, uh, they turn on the TV and there's, there's a pandemic happening in London. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seemingly out of nowhere. Right, right, right. Like a, like a kind of COVID, but much nastier. Mm -hmm. I suppose like a, if you could imagine a, uh, a fatal COVID for everybody mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm, of thing mm -hmm. that's really dangerous and again the dad who's not concussed is like this is no it's still not happening yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah. it's all coincidence he's doubling down on it um, there's then one one apocalyptic person no two left Dave Batista and one other person right um, one of the dads manages to get rid of their uh, bindings, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they manage to get hold of one of the intruders and try and overpower them to get outside and get a gun, mm -hmm. get to the car to get the gun, which they do, mm -hmm. and they manage to kill one of the intruders with the gun. But then, you know, Dave Batista being Dave Batista, uh, he's like, I'm going to go. Well, they overpower him somehow, okay. Okay. and... They get him to go in the bathroom and they lock him in there. Okay. But then they realise, oh, he can probably get out the window. <laughs> and he does. Uh -huh. He gets back in again. And um, he then says, because you failed to do this, and there's, there is stuff happening outside the cabin. Uh -huh. 
there's lightning and thunderstorms and apocalyptic stuff is is clearly happening. He says, because you failed to do this, all of humanity has been judged. Mm-hmm. And then he kills himself. Mm-hmm. And then and then they see on the TV that, you know, stuff is just going out of control. And that's the end. So, almost. Okay. So then so then the dad who has been concussed is saying, Look, even if you get me out of here, there's going to be no hospitals open. I'm probably going to die anyway from this brain injury. So it should be me. But you need to do it. Mm-hmm. But we don't see it happen. We hear a gunshot, but we don't see it happen. But we then see the other dad take the daughter out to the car and drive away. And then we hear on the radio that uh, all of the apocalyptic stuff has magically just stopped happening. Okay, okay. And then they just look at each other in the car like, did that, all that stuff actually just happen? And did I just kill my husband mm-hmm. <laughs> and, your, and your dad? And then the film ends. Right, right, right. Okay, so it doesn't spoil it. No. No. It okay. doesn't. And it, and, and it, I'm in two minds about this because I'm not sure whether it, whether it's ambiguous enough about whether what they did actually made a difference <laughs> or whether these people that came into there... So so all of the people that came to the cabin told them what they did what they did in the real world before this stuff started to kick off. Okay. They didn't believe any of them uh, until they get to the, to, their, to the people who came to the cabin. They steal their car and they find that they were indeed who they said they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a school teacher. Dave Bautista's character was a nurse in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, Rupert Grint was like this bit of a low life, a bit of a homophobic low life. In fact, he beat up one of the dads in a bar. That's he, he recognizes him and says, well. I know you <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Um, so they, they were who they said they were. Right. right, right. So they, they kind of like think, oh, so maybe they were telling the truth. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you want it to be just a little bit more balanced? I wanted it to be like that. But I will say that that my wife, who likes Shyamalan's films, enjoyed this a great deal. Right. And enjoyed the fact that it did what Shyamalan's films always do, which is, this is what it might be. And then get to the, the end, it's like, yes, this is what you thought it was. Yeah, and that's the thing that often disappoints me. Right. Um wasn't yeah. the alien invasion I mean the alien invasion one had so many problems but was that called signs yeah but one of the problems was it set it up like you weren't sure whether it was really aliens and then it was just like yep it is aliens it's like, yeah oh come on yeah 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 see I really enjoyed the the ambiguity and the mystery of the sixth sense and yeah. also the scariness of the sixth sense yeah yeah that's really scary um and I really enjoyed Unbreakable. Yeah, and I, Unbreakable, I thought did did it really well. Like, like there clearly is he clearly is sort of supernatural in some way, but it's just so ordinary the way it, it all happens, isn't it? Yeah, it's Unbreakable is. Um, I suppose it's a bit like what's that James Gunn movie, Super. And also uh, Kick-Ass as well. Right. A, a bit, those, are, those have a dotted line to Unbreakable in that it's 
people dressing up as superheroes, but in the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but super is more subversive, and it's about a man who's got deep mental health issues. Right. I don't think I've seen around super, with a hammer. Have you, talk, have you talked about super? I don't think I have, actually, no. It's that a very, very strange, quite right. highly charged movie. You know, right, it's um, right, right. quite full on. <laughs> <laughs> in the way that James Gunn does stuff. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, it is good. Uh, I can't remember who's in that. Rain Wilson from The Office, The American Office. Which right. you, have you ever seen any of that? Yes, I've seen quite a lot of The American Office. He plays Dwight Schrute. So good. He's such an irritating character. Uh, so it's him and the person who is now known as Elliot... Oh. Page. Elliot Page. Okay. Yeah. Uh they are in it as well. Oh. Kevin Bacon is in it too. Oh, right. Yeah. It's good. Super is disturbing. I wonder if yeah. that's on somewhere. I could watch it. I feel like watching it. Yeah, it's good. I think you'd like it. Shall I have a look and see if it's on Maybe somewhere? It's on I'll Disney have a look after we've talked about yeah, this yeah. film. But, um, okay, okay, okay. So back on track, back on track. Plus points about this. Dave Batista. Yeah. Now, I remember he- hearing Mark Como talking about this on the radio. And him saying plus points about this I, what he said was I'm becoming increasingly convinced that Dave Bautista is a proper movie star <laughs> and he is really good in this right, right, right. I remember seeing the trailer and just thinking yeah it's him he's going to sell that movie you know he's um, he's softly spoken he really raises his voice because he doesn't need to he's such mm-hmm. a big guy he doesn't need to raise his voice softly spoken everything he says seems credible um he uses his physicality in a way that is not threatening, but is it's always a presence. Mm. And um, he's just fantastic in it. You know, he's... I don't know, if it was somebody else playing that role, maybe the film wouldn't be quite... wouldn't have so many redeeming qualities. Mm. I, um, um, I really wish the, uh, the zombie movie I've forgotten the name of... City of... City of no. the Dead... Yeah, I think no. What was it called? Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Uh, I really wish that was better. Yeah, me too. Because he's really good in it. Yeah, and it, it has everything. It's like it's beautifully shot. Yeah, it's, it's a really great well idea. Made. Like getting into Vegas, getting out again. It's a great idea. And then they had to go and do a whole load of extra plot about intelligent the zombies. Zombie that stuff wasn't yeah. needed. No. We have talked about this on this pod before, but I'm going to say it again anyway. When I originally heard the the idea for this, I thought, yes. Yeah, it's like my Heist ideal movie film. with a zombie, cross yeah. with a zombie film. It sounds really like high concept and simple, but then they overcomplicated it yeah. and made it too long as well. The whole, yeah, the it, Intelligent yeah. Zombies is a terrible idea, but also the even the whole the story of the infection, there's just no need for any of that. Yeah. And it's far too yeah. long. It's far too long. So you could have taken all of that out and just done I'd a still heist watch it movie again, in yeah. a zombie world. Do you, maybe we should edit our own version of it. Make it 90 minutes. Yeah. Take out all of the stuff about how the infection happened and just yep. make it a heist movie. Yeah, a heist take movie in a zombie world. all the stuff with Dave Bautista and Tignataro and you can lose everything else. Yes. You can lose everything else about them trying to get this zombie virus order out of the city. 
Yeah. Like the corporate bad guys and stuff like that. I don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe the, the guy who's like the bad guy in Alien, maybe that could stay in because it's kind of. Maybe. Nice. Maybe. But certainly get rid of the clever zombies, get rid of the whole infection story. Yeah. 90 minutes. Let's do that. Let's actually edit our own version <laughs> of that film. Yeah. Or we could just make our own version. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> do you think we could get Dave so, Bautista? Dave Bautista's great in this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It looks great. You know, Shyamalan's movies always look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's largely a one location film. Right. Which is hard to pull off mm-hmm. because it can end up looking theatrical and stagey mm-hmm. and two dimensional. Mm-hmm. But they managed to keep it interesting by shooting it from different angles and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so that you don't feel like you're just looking at a stage. Um, all of the cast are really good. Um, it is nail biting. Right. It is nail biting. So, so like the, the stuff where where they where these people are saying you need to hurry up and make a decision. You're like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> what you're asking of them is too much. Mm-hmm. But of course, in the Old Testament, people were asked to do this mm-hmm. multiple times. <laughs> Although, did did anybody actually ever do it though in the Old so, Testament? No. Or? There's a story where God um, tells uh, Abraham someone to, to kill sacrifice his their son. son? Yeah. But um, the whole point of that story is to say uh, that this God isn't like that, really. And that, that was, uh, he's, that's why he's, you know, because all the other gods tell, make people do that. And this God isn't like that. That's the point of the story. I see. Okay. So, what well, there is. Asked... That's the charitable interpretation. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. What, so what they're being asked to do is unspeakable, really. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's awful. But yeah, absolutely familiar from um, like ancient Babylonian religion, certainly. Yeah, right. Sacri- human sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah. So I I liked it. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. But there are parts of it. There are scenes in it and stuff in it that stuck in my head, right. even though. I liked it but didn't love it. But I think that's true of all of his films. Like even yeah. even Stupid Science and that stupid one about the religion that they're stuck in. The the village? Yeah. They, I um, like the village. I still I still felt really dissatisfied with it. Like he always leaves me, almost always leaves me very dissatisfied. But there are absolutely are scenes that are still in my head from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's very clever with his imagery. Um. Yeah, I think I think the scene where we first see Dave Bautista in the woods, where the little girl sees him, mm-hmm. is chilling because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like that man doesn't belong there, <laughs> <laughs> and he's up to no good. And the film's called Knock at the Cabin, so I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> um. So I would say that you know I I, sh- I, th- I should think that listener probably likes Shyamalan's films, right? To a certain extent. Or wishes they did. Or wishes they like did. Me. And I'm saying that this one is worth a look. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's so worth this a look. Is an, on the sine wave, this one goes up. Yeah, it's definitely an up, yeah. Maybe not right. The, the last one he did was old. Did we talk about old on this pod? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think we did, no. Maybe we should. Okay. that one's quite fun as well. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right, I have to formulate some kind of question. Okay. Um... Yeah, what's the significance of this film? Is it is it a, basically an exploration of 
like the fact that the end of the world is kind of coming. Maybe. I think... Um, I think that's it, yeah. I mean, maybe the end of the world is coming. That's quite a bleak viewpoint. Hopefully it's a few thousand years in the future. Maybe more. But it's not that far away. <laughs> really. The rate that we're going... I feel like if we can survive the next hundred, yeah, then we'll probably be all right. Well, I was reading, I was reading an article in Private Eye all about this company called Drax Energy. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of them? No. Oh well, it rings a bell. So they have a power plant in the UK and possibly in other countries that burns wood, mm-hmm. and they get subsidies for burning wood because mm-hmm. they claim that it's green and sustainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Private Eye have done some investigation into this and found that actually it isn't. Right. Is that they're clearing forests, but they're not replanting trees. Oh, man. So, um, but of course, burning wood is a greenhouse gas. Mm-hmm. It's releasing carbon into the atmosphere. Yeah, so, unless you grow the equivalent number of trees, in which case it's neutral, right? Quite, yeah. So it's definitely not neutral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's an, an example of a way that in which a, a company that claims to be doing something clean and sustainable is not, mm-hmm. and is making things worse very quickly. So, um, yeah, the next hundred years, I think, are probably crucial. Yeah, I feel like if we get through the next hundred years and learn the lessons, yeah, and also the population will reduce over that time. It is already reducing. I think it will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the birth rate's reducing. The population's still growing because people are getting older. Yes, of course. still alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, yeah, it, like, we we have a decent shot at surviving, you know, a, an unpredictable amount of time. But there's a... Yeah. The, the next 100 years is the hard bit. It is. Maybe next uh, so yeah, I think there's definitely some anxiety in here about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. apocalyptic things. You know, we're still in a pandemic mm-hmm. that is being managed fairly well around the world by different countries. You know, it's n- it's no longer. I don't think any any places are in lockdown anymore. And no, it's killing and fewer like people that. than the diseases we're familiar with. Yes, exactly. Uh, but but you know, twenty twenty slash twenty twenty one were very difficult years. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's definitely a. Um, pandemic fear and also fear of natural disasters and if you and maybe if you could put all, an end to all of that if you shot one of your nearest and dearest well i guess the <laughs> it's the theme of judgment as well as the end of the world right like it's yes yeah i guess the point must be something to do with you know there's a reason why the world is ending it's not just random no it's not random at all no there's a reason why all of it's happening So, yeah, I think that's what it's about. Okay, okay. Apocalyptic anxiety. Okay. It's a thing. We're going to have to see a lot more of that in film. <laughs> yes, I think so. I mean, I'd say that we've had a lot of it yeah. in film forever, probably. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, there's, but there certainly has been a lot of it in the last 20 years. Yeah. Some of it better than others. My, f- I think my favourite of that genre is probably The Road. Right, Road's really good. Which have, is, have I plugged before? Go on. Which is one of the bleakest and yet one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. In terms of, it's bleak, 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 and then there's hope. 
and you just cling to the hope at the end. Yeah. You know, there's green stuff growing, and then and he meets some people who don't want to eat him, and it's <laughs> like, oh, okay, so actually there is hope for the future here. Right? Maybe. Yeah, I think I expect yeah. at least one person who thought that that was the bit that spoiled the film. Really? No, yeah. I, th- I that film was. Th- I thought that bit was fantastic. Right, right, right. Have I yeah. have I raved to you before about the Evil Earth trilogy? No. So it's a series of books. I would love to see them made into films. I think it would be really okay. difficult, but these days I think you could do it. They're written by N.K. Jemisin. The first That's an interesting book, name. The f- yeah, the first book is called The Fifth Season, and um, it's kind of fantasy, which I basically can't do, deal with fantasy at all. I, I mm-hmm. I'm always much prefer hard sci-fi. Yeah, where it like feels like it could really happen, kind of thing. So this this one it pushes me a long way out of my comfort zone from that point of view. But it reads like hard sci-fi uh, in in many ways. But there are people with with what seem like kind of magical abilities, but they're quite right. constrained and scientific in the way that they work. They're not just magic. Um, but yeah, the point. Anyway, that's all. That's all just background. The point of the Evil Earth trilogy. You don't really understand why it's called the Evil Earth Trilogy until you've really taken it in and understood it. But essentially, the Earth has turned on humanity. Right. It's a very, very harsh place. And they've built a religion that is effectively how to survive, and especially how to survive what the so-called fifth season, which is basically every um, generation or two, there's a five- or ten-year period of like utter, almost unlivable earth. And that wow. they call that the fifth season. Right. So there's all these rules about how you live and basically you you can you can't support the weak and so on. You know, there's all kinds of stuff like you basically have to um be unbelievably harsh about the about who you accept into your community and, and so on and so on, all, all stuff like that. So like going back to I suppose early human beings when times were very tough for early human beings. Yeah, I guess. Um, or, yeah. Although, you know, without the kind of... There's basically times no of, food available. And, you know, you have in to, times of... Only humans in times of famine would have been yeah, in yeah, tough I guess straits. That's right. I guess that's yeah. right. If they couldn't dr- grow anything. So part of this religion is like yeah. keeping uh, stores and things like that so that you can make yeah. it through. But anyway, it, it's absolutely amazing, told from the point of view of... Um, from various points of view, but mainly the ones that I remember at least are from the point of view of a young girl who has these powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and from her mother. And both of them, like they, both of them incredibly hardened by, by circumstances and uh, very harsh to each other. Like it's really unflinching in the hardness of these characters. It's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. I can't that possibly do it justice. That sounds really good. But I'd love to see um, some films made of it. Maybe that will happen. Maybe that will happen. Um, yeah, that's it for uh, Knock at the Cabin. Is that it? Yeah. Cool. Should I? Will I watch it? Um, I would. I might watch it if it was on. But yeah, I mean, it's worth it. It is worth it. It's okay. worth it for Dave Bautista alone, I think. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Or I could just go and watch um, Army of the Dead again and wish it was something else. 
<laughs> Maybe someday somebody will make a uh, shorter version of it. Maybe it'll be us. Maybe it'll be us, yeah. The us's. All right. You've been watching anything lately? Yes. We finished um, The Last of Us, the TV right. show. Yeah. Which was excellent. Yeah. That's on really, Sky, right? Uh, yes, on now, yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it's Walking Dead in its structure, I suppose. Okay. But much, much better than The Walking Dead. Wow. <laughs> so it's less soapy. Right, right, right. It's, be- it's better quality. I mean, I The, the, the Walking Dead is, I think, pulpy uh-huh. entertainment. Yeah. This, there's the, the Last of Us is deadly serious and right. and very, very, very good. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's really, really good, yeah. I've I mean, kind of slowed down on my Fear the Walking Dead watching. I've watched have you a finished couple, it yet? No, I've watched a couple here and there, but I haven't been enthusiastic about watching it. It's, no, I mean, it's, it's okay. um. Well, you'll watch them all, I guess, but it, yeah, it definitely is not as good quality as the main series. And the main series it's, went off like five seasons ago. That's true, yeah. Uh, so yeah, finished The Last of Us, still watching Succession and enjoying that, all the awful people in it. <laughs> um, Everyone loves Succession. What else? Yeah, not a lot else. Uh, oh no, so, sorry. Yeah, we do. We watch on, still watching Bob's Burgers on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Which is, which is a cartoon, animated. Okay. okay. Um, also a, a short, not a short, but a, one of those like 20-minute comedy shows called Abbott Elementary. Okay. Which is an office slash parts and recreation style mockumentary. What's that on? That's on Disney+. Plus. Abbott Elementary. Yeah, All that's right. very good. We might, yeah. we might. We've been struggling and we, yeah. we kind of said to each other... Let's let's just not watch telly unless there's something to watch because mm-hmm. yeah we've been struggling just fiddling around looking for something. So the only thing that we really things that we watch are Taskmaster. Yeah. Have I got news for you? Mm-hmm. Love that. And as yet untitled, which is have you seen that? It's the Alan Davis. I think you showed me an episode of that. I wasn't completely on board with it. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's a bit it's meandering. Like, some but I suppose that's the whole point, isn't it? Some funny people having a conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, Abbott Elementary is good. 20-minute episodes. Right. Funny, insightful. It's set in a an, an inner city school in Philadelphia, predominantly black neighbourhood. Right. Struggling for funding, and it's about politics of teaching. And, right. But it's funny. You know, it's really funny. Have you watched Summer Heights High? Uh... I think I did watch... Yes, I did watch that, yeah. Jimmy, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so random. (laughs) And the song they make up about the girl who died taking ecstasy. (laughs) It's so... in such bad taste. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like that show. (laughs) No, okay. Okay. Um, What else do do we watch? Uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is on series two at the moment. So bored of that. And we're going to start watching the Full Monty TV show. All right. Yeah. Again on Disney Plus, which is a sequel to the movie, 
set in the present day. I, don't, I, I believe they don't actually do the full Monty in it. It's just about their lives as they are now. Okay. Which presumably, given the state of things, are not very good. Yeah, that would be too depressing for us to try. <laughs> Probably. Probably. But it's supposed to be good and funny and insightful. All of those things. Uh, I think that's about where we are, really. Anything to plug? Nothing to plug. I've got something to plug. Oh, yes. Go on, then. So I know I've been plugging Boxstacker for ages. Yes. But Boxstacker has now been publicly released. Oh. Uh, it's on the Google Play Store. Oh. It's on the Internet. Right. It's completely free. You can. It's, it costs money on the Google Play Store, but, you know... Don't have to pay it. You can just play it at boxstacker.artificialworlds.net. Um, so there's, a, yeah. So what it is is, it's a game where you have to like make make um, structures out of kind of Lego bricks um, to solve puzzles. Like you've played it, right? You, in fact, you're playing it fairly regularly at the moment and quite enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, right. I enjoy it a great deal. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah, uh, um, and. Yeah, so you, you can, there's like an almost 200 levels included in the game. So you can just play it through, play the levels. But the part that I really enjoyed after I'd done that, or rather, when, when we first, when I first made it, it only had about 30 levels. Mm. And then a bunch of friends and I, um, just had a lot of fun on a little forum that I've made for it, which is box-stacker.artificialworlds.net, where you can post your own levels that you've made using the level editor that's part of the game. And uh, and then people try and solve them, and oh, we go through the old levels and try and solve them using fewer blocks and things like that. And the yeah. social aspect of it has just been really fun. I've really enjoyed that. Excellent. So recently, I've made a promotional video for it because you need that for the Play Store. Right. Uh, it's gone on the Play Store, and I'm currently in negotiation with the people from the F Droid Store ah. to try and get it on the F Droid Store. But there's quite a rigorous process of checking that it's properly open source. And it doesn't track you and all this stuff. Right, yeah. So I had a little an, a ping that just said someone played the game that it, it sent every time you, you played a level and mm-hmm. they didn't like that. They were gonna put they were gonna give it an anti feature, which is what they call it. Ooh. Called tracking. So they were gonna say basically when you try and install something from Fdroid, it says this app has features you may not like, and then if you open it up you can see what they are. Right. So one of those is tracking. And another one is um they call it tethered net which means even though it's an an independent app um it kind of it's linked to some kind of web service yes. that that you can't change so they were saying oh it's tethered net because the uh, the way, where it saves the levels to and the forum that you, you post them on which isn't really part of the main game but anyway um that was wasn't changeable so i put in some config around that so now that now if someone else sets up their own rival forum and high score storage area <laughs> they can use it then they can still they can they can modify the uh, the get get users to modify the app to point at their yeah. forum instead of mine which like okay. would, would never happen but anyway so now that i've i've fixed the anti features hopefully when someone has time to review it it'll be on the fdroid store as well but the 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 android app is just exactly the same game it's literally just the web game wrapped up in a little container so right Playing it on the internet is absolutely fine too. Excellent. It's a very good game. I've I been, enjoy it a great deal. Cool. I've been making new levels, every one every couple of days. I'm still finding new level ideas, despite having made, I don't know, 100 <laughs> or so already. So it yeah. seems really flexible and fun. I'm really 
I think it's a really great game. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's probably my best game, I'd say. What I like about it is that when I find a solution to something I'm, and then I'm like, now I can remove blocks and try and get it down to the yeah. fewest number possible to fit to to solve it, yeah. even if the solution is a bit messy, yeah. I don't really mind yeah, as yeah, long yeah. as it finishes. <laughs> yeah, getting it down to the smallest number of blocks is the kind of the game within the game, really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's really good fun. I enjoy it a great deal. So, um, yeah, tell your friends. Tell all your friends. So I've got, a, I've got a book recommendation. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so we went back recently and reread a book called The Snow Song. Okay. Um, I'll just get who wrote it. The Snow Song. When you went on to a different web page, your face was lit up by your screen. Ah, Sally Gardner. Okay. Um, and the snow song is set in an unnamed alpine area, mm -hmm. a village. And all of the men who have a trade are just known by their trade. We okay. never know their names, okay. which is interesting. All of the women have names. Okay. And all of the younger men have names. Okay. But all of the people with a trade are like the butcher, the cabinet maker, the mayor... The mm -hmm. doctor, etc. Right, right, right. So that's interesting yeah. in the first place. And the main protagonist of this story is this woman who can walk between worlds, okay. between two worlds. So between our world and possibly another world, another mm -hmm. realm. Mm -hmm. And she becomes, she has this romantic dalliance with this, um, with this guy, a shepherd, who the man that she's supposed to be marrying, who is the butcher, who is essentially like the patriarch of the town, mm -hmm. becomes jealous of. Mm -hmm. um, and then something bad happens to this this guy that she loves. And she goes, becomes mute. She just stops mm -hmm. talking. Mm -hmm. Won't talk to anyone. Um, she's supposed to be getting married, doesn't get married, runs off into the woods during the winter and walks between realms. Mm-hmm survives the winter, comes back to the village, the t I think it's a village, utterly fearless, mm -hmm. like, I've survived the winter, mm -hmm. and just stares everybody down and tells everybody what she thinks of them mm -hmm. <laughs> and disrupts the entire place. It's, um, it's fantastic. It's a real story of, like, feminine strength okay. under a great deal of pressure. Hmm. I mean, there is, there's magical realism. There's a great deal of magical realist stuff going on in it. Mm -hmm. But also real world stuff. The butcher is a horrific character. Mm. He's like all of your, all of the worst aspects of masculinity wrapped up into one person. Mm. Um, such a good read. Really highly recommended. What's really, it called? really good. The, the Snow Song. The Snow Song. Yeah, right. the snow song. Yeah, it's excellent, really excellent. So we, mm. we've picked up the f uh, the follow up to that, um, which I'll just have a look for. Two book uh, recommendations in one podcast. Yeah, um, Sally Gardner. Let's find what we're looking really at the moment. Yeah, we picked another one up, which is set during the. Uh, the Frost Fairs in London. What's that? When it was cold? Yeah. Right. And it's all about a, a young girl who can sense the ice. She knows when it's going to... Right. 
break kind of thing. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out what it's called. I feel like I've heard about that. It rings a bell. Oh, yeah. It's, um... No. No, it's not that one. I'm just trying to look for it. (laughs) Okay, it doesn't matter. I'll pick it up next time. But, um... We started reading that last night, and it's also fantastic. Right, right. So, you know, she writes really strong female characters mm. and interesting ideas mm. about... What I like about the Snow Song is the place that they live is never named. Mm-hmm. The, some of the technology they have is named, so there are guns. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to have electricity or gas, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they have guns. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of time the time, name the time period fairly mm-hmm. roughly. But it's all about the characters, and it's all about the story. It's not about where they live, Mm. which is very clever. I think think sometimes books can get bogged down in that kind of detail. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, it just doesn't matter. We've started reading a book by Norman Mailer. Oh, yeah. That's heavy stuff. And uh, it's called Harlot's Ghost. Uh, Okay. It's about someone in the CIA, but... um, yeah, it um, it doesn't get bogged down in the place, but it just the the mind of the narrator just wanders. Like, yes, he's just quite happy to spend a couple of pages on on some some moment, you know, where he just muses on some memory or something. So, yeah, there's a lot of it, but it's supposed to be like his best book, and he's supposed to be amazing. Excellent. Seems okay. Yeah, Mailer is. I've never, I've never read anything by him. But it was know, recommended um, by Rory yeah. Stewart on the Rest Is Politics. Ah, okay. Podcast. Yes, that's why I got it. So the name of the book that we we started reading is called The Weather Woman. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's uh, it's a follow up, not a sequel, just mm-hmm. a follow up book. Mm. But she's very prolific, and she also writes, um, I think, YA fiction as well. I read cool. quite a lot of really good books by women recently with Re- really feeling like they're exploring ideas and stuff that I just haven't seen before. I really feel yeah. like yeah. so much of the hard sci-fi that I read was written by men Yeah, from the sort of Asimov, Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke era. Um, yeah, to read some proper good sci-fi written by women has been eye-opening fantastic yeah it, it is eye-opening yeah it's a different whole different viewpoint definitely um I don't have anything else that's it that is it thanks a lot thank see you see you next time yes goodbye goodbye